This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to episode 71 of Podcast Royal where we break down the last six days of the UK's national mourning period, concluding with the powerful funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. So Rachel, what were your initial impressions of the funeral? I just, I'm a little speechless. It's, it's, it's a wow factor. You know, I mean, you think that this has been in some form or fashion in motion for 60 years and it felt like that. It's so steeped in tradition and pomp and ceremony and history and meaning. And there's so much thoughtfulness and just so much dignity. And I thought it was a very fitting farewell to a very deserving woman. And I know we'll talk more about the ins and outs and the particulars in a minute, but I was honored to cover it with Marie Claire yesterday and I was up at 3.30 and I'm not a morning person and I just sprung out of bed and obviously not excited. I mean, who is ever excited for a funeral, but I was um, ready to do this and it did not disappoint. What about you? Yeah, you know, very similar to to your takeaways. Um, For me, there was just so much to take in at this event. Um, It was really beautiful and it was really impactful uh, to your point, knowing that it's been in planning for decades and then we got to see it all come together. And we know that Her Majesty had a hand in every detail that took place. And, you know, when I think about the history and the tradition that we all witnessed, I mean, it was just, it was just really incredible. Um, you know, and, and then to top it off, there was a lot of personal touches kind of weaved in throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned you were reporting for Marie Claire. I actually got to go back on Cheddar News Monday morning, immediately following the funeral, um, you know, to discuss the event live. And um, I mentioned how when I was on that segment, you know, most of us were not born before she took the throne and we've never known a time that she wasn't queen. So, you know, I think her reign will be remembered and talked about for years to come. So to see that, you know, funeral was just a reminder of kind of where we are today and and what's changing and what's to come. And and I also couldn't help but think about the family. You know, while this is a very public event, this was a funeral of a mother and a grandmother and a great-grandmother who was so deeply loved. Um, and, And it was just, you know, it was just really incredible to see. Uh, one other thing that really struck me um, was the music. Um, yeah. I felt like it was louder than ever that day. Um, you know, we just got to hear so much of song selections that she probably chose herself. Um, and I think if she were watching, she would have been very pleased with how everything took place. Well, I think she was watching. I hope she was watching from a very, uh, a very good spot up above. I really do. And I, you know, you talk about that's, that's a great point you make about how this is obviously a funeral for a monarch, for a sovereign, for a queen, but it's also a funeral of a mother and a grandmother and a great grandmother. And I mean, I'll never be able to unsee that photo of Charlotte, you know, just crying and that's her great grandmother. And it's, she's, she's, uh, the royal family is the royal family, but at the end of the day, they're just a family and that's her great grandmother. And I thought it was spectacular. And again, we're going to get into the particulars of everything in a second, but I thought she would be pleased. And I hope she somehow was able to see it play out, but 
we are going to make this again, like the last episode. We, we didn't know last episode, if we were going to come back or if we were going to wait another week and then come back, we usually do a cadence of every other week, but we're back because it feels right. And it feels like we need to talk about this while it's still fresh again, as ever, we're recording on Tuesday night. So the funeral was just yesterday and it's still so raw and fresh in my mind. And I'm glad we're getting a chance to talk about it. So once again, we're not doing what we're into. We're not doing Jessica's fashion pick of the week or a lifestyle segment or an interview. It's just us again for the last time in the morning period. And probably one of the last times, which this is strange to say, one of the last times that we will talk about Queen Elizabeth II at length like this. She's been such a part of our show, obviously, in the nearly two years we've been doing this. And um, this is kind of where the story ends and uh, her, her legacy will never end, but her life is over. And I think, you know, when I saw her coffin be lowered into the vault yesterday, it's just, it's, it's the end of an era. And so this is, this is just, it's all still so raw and fresh, but we are going to do the Royal rundown. We're going to pick up on Wednesday, last Wednesday, where we left off and we're going to go through today. And on Wednesday, the 14th, there was a procession behind her coffin through London. When we last recorded, she had just made it, the coffin had just made it to Buckingham Palace and had been received by the family there. So Wednesday, the coffin processed through London to Westminster Hall. We saw William and Harry walking side by side. Camilla, who Camilla has a broken toe, by the way. Camilla is doing all of this on a broken toe. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and she's in a lot of pain. And so power to her for being, I mean, obviously she's been on her feet all for 10 days, 10, 11 days and um, greeting mourners and uh, just being so stoic and there for her husband and, and there for her country. And so Camilla, Kate and Megan rode in cars on Wednesday, Kate and Megan at, so, so the coffin processed through London and made it to Westminster hall. There was about a 20 minute really moving service there. And she of course lay in state at Westminster hall for the next four days. And Kate and Megan at the service could be seen getting visibly emotional. Um, I think, I, th- I think, I mean, it's, it's not like a, oh, I gotcha, getting emotional moment, but I think I saw Harry getting emotional as well. Um, Megan did just one of the deepest curtsies again I've ever seen when she was leaving Westminster Hall. Um, she was wearing, Megan was wearing pearl and diamond drop earrings that the queen gave her at their first outing together, their first joint engagement in 2018. She wore those throughout the week and actually all royal women, including even down to Charlotte and Louise wore nods to the queen through their jewelry. Of course, for the funeral, every everyone is in black, right? But the women really let their love for the queen speak through I thought in their jewelry choices, Kate wore a brooch of her majesty's on Wednesday. I would love to know what you thought of the jewelry choices, like uh, even up to yesterday when at the funeral, Kate was wearing a pearl choker that once belonged to the queen. If it looks familiar, I wrote a story about this from Marie Claire. If it looks familiar, it's because she wore that exact same piece to Phillips funeral in April of 2021. Um, We'll talk again. We'll talk more about the specific jewelry from yesterday later. But I'm I'm wondering your thoughts on how the royal women really showed their love for the queen through their jewelry choices this week. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was extremely thoughtful and how it was all put together. It was, you know, of course we know their their clothing and their jewelry is intentional, but even more so, you know, this past week as they've chosen pieces that belong to Her Majesty and, um, you know, as a way to honor her. And and you mentioned, you know, the kids, Charlotte and Louise, both um, wearing nods to her as well. I saw that and we'll talk about that. Um, but um but I thought it was really beautiful. I, I did notice the choker that Kate wore. I recognized that from seeing her wear it last year and also the three strand pearls she wore at the reception, which I'm going to mention later on as well. Um, all kind of, you know, were, were pieces that I noticed. 
Yeah. And so Wednesday was the procession and then the service. And then she began laying in state. And we'll talk about this, but there were just so many people, including David Beckham, um, so many people that came out to pay their respects and very well-deserved and fitting for a life of service. So on Thursday, William and Catherine stepped out to greet mourners at Sandringham. I actually shared a photo of all the flowers left by the gates on our Instagram account. And I mean, I was just blown away by the amount of flowers and gifts that we've seen left for her majesty and, and, you know, the family for them to walk through and see this, um, so many special touches from people all over the world who have come to pay their respects. Um, one story that really stood out to me that I caught was when they were in Sandringham, uh, Kate saw an eight-year-old little girl in the crowd and she was carrying flowers and a little stuffed animal corgi for the queen. And Kate went over and, and pulled her out of the crowd and walked with her to go lay them down. And um, and Kate asked, you know, where do you think we should lay these flowers? And, and the little girl whose name actually was Elizabeth um, selected a spot to leave them. And um, and later on, I think, I think it was her teacher or something said that she was just, you know, overwhelmed by being selected by Kate to walk up there that she was just, um, overcome with tears as she talked about it later and I saw that little video clip um and I just thought that was really sweet did you see that Rachel I haven't no I've seen I've seen some snippets from um different members of the family visiting with mourners but I have not seen that one I'll have to look it up so on Thursday there were so many mourners in in London to see the queen they actually temporarily closed the queue because it was at capacity. I know, you know, people were waiting in line more than 12 or 13 hours and the evening temperatures got down in the, I think, 30 and 40 degree Fahrenheit range. Um, I think they had something like 500 portable toilets all along the queue for people to use. And I heard a lot of businesses in the area were staying open late um, or even 24 hours for people to be able to come in and grab food. And uh, William even said, you know, the queen would never believe how many were mourning for her. It was just really incredible to see. Didn't you think so, Rachel? Oh, yeah. I mean, just and and if you know that if you and I were in London, we would have done the same thing. I mean, I I, I would have done it, too, because not only is it fitting to honor her this way, but it's also I mean, you can't you can't understate that this is a part of history and this is living history. I mean, we, I don't know if the UK will ever see a monarch on the throne for 70 years again, certainly not, certainly not in our lifetimes, again, barring catastrophe, but it's, it's not only does she deserve every bit of it, but it's history. And they, and those who were there, and I appreciate David Beckham, who of course could have skipped the line. He's David Beckham, but he said, no, my, my father was a royalist. I have a deep respect for the royal family and I want to stand here just like everyone else. And can you imagine being the person that's like behind David Beckham in line? Like, Well, yeah, and I was actually going to mention that. So he was, um, you know, of course he could have totally skipped the line, um, but he was there and he stood there for like 13 hours and there were some reporters out who of course caught him and got him on camera and he was, you know, making friends in the line. He was answering questions by the reporters and um, someone asked him, you know, why did you, why did you join the queue? And he said, yeah, we all want to be here together. We all want to experience something where we celebrate the amazing life of our queen. And then he went on to say, we're all eating Pringles. We're eating sherbet <laughs> lemons, sandwiches, and coffee. Um, so yeah, I really liked seeing that. And I thought it was um, just, just a really great way for him to, to show up and, and stand in line along with everyone else and experience that with the crowd. Kind of what a cool bonding moment with, with your mm-hmm. fellow citizens you know I mean like that that's something I mean you can make a friend there and and 13 hours is a long time I mean sometimes I think one minute is a long time when I heat up my food in the microwave 13 (laughs) hours together and that's just like that's a really cool bonding experience as as 
humanity. I was going to say as British people, but I know people were there from the States and all over the world. And um, especially for British people, that's, that it's just, that's a moment. That's a moment where everyone came together for one purpose. And of course she lay in state for four days. And at one point um, they had to say, please stop queuing. We have, we're at capacity. We can't, we can't take on any more. I mean, what a, what a powerful testimony of what she means to the UK and, and to this world. So Friday, so Charles and Camilla visited Wales. And like I said, Camilla is doing all of this on a broken toe, such strength. And um, that evening, Friday evening at 7.30 in the evening, her four children, Charles and Andrew Edward, united again for a second vigil of the princess. So we talked about that her uh, the first vigil of the princess for her in Edinburgh. And this time it was at Westminster Hall and just a very powerful image of the four children, of course, and making history again as um, the only woman to do this. And just the, the powerful image of her four children standing around her coffin, protecting the coffin. And then the next day on Saturday, the queen's eight grandchildren stood vigil at Westminster Hall. They all bowed their heads for 15 minutes. They clasped their arms and they stood around her coffin and paid their respects. And I have to say, so we don't see a lot of James Viscount Severn. He's only 14. He'll be 15 by the end of the year, but he's got that, that hair, you know, I mean, I, we, in the South, I call it the Southern swoop, right? Like the hair that, mm-hmm. that goes across the, the bangs or whatever. And um, he's got, he's got that hair that reminds me, and he's roughly the same age as Prince William was when Diana died in 1997. William had just turned 15 that summer and James will be 15 by the end of the year and the hair and the age and everything. And of course the downcast look of grief, um, just everything kind of with James is, is reminding me of William at that age, 25 years ago. So of course we saw William, we saw Harry. You're going to talk about him in a second. We saw Zara and Peter, Anne's children. We saw Louise and James, Edward and Sophie's children. And then we of course saw Beatrice and Eugenie as well. So last, I know we talked last week about the controversy over military uniforms. Tell us that Harry was in uniform. No way anyone could have missed that. So talk to us about that. So there was a little controversy over the uniforms and and listeners, you probably remember last episode, we talked about how Harry had released a statement saying that he would be in a morning suit and did not want the focus to be on what he was wearing because whatever he wore really doesn't change the fact that he served in the military. Um, Well, it it sounded like uh, to us like a decision had been made at the top um, and, you know, we just figured, you know, he didn't want that to be on everyone's radar or focus. Um, and so anyway, he did end up wearing a uniform at this particular vigil per Charles' request. Um, it seems like there was probably, I'm guessing, so much discussion swirling around Prince um, Andrew being allowed to wear his uniform at the vigil and then Harry being told he couldn't wear his uniform. Um, and so, you know, I'm guessing Charles came in and just made an executive decision, like, let's stop the rumors, you know, wear the, the uniform for the vigil. Um, and so we did, yeah, we saw him there, you know, William was of course in uniform and, and Harry as well. You know, I have to say something about that. And I, I understand the sentiment of not having working Royals, not where they I guess I understand. That. I mean, whatever it's the rules, but you can't take someone's military service away from them just because they no longer work for the firm. Um, I, I don't think that Harry's military service had anything to do with his role as a royal. In fact, he was very adamant when he was serving for that decade that he didn't want to be treated any differently because he was a prince. He wanted to be Harry Wales, not Prince Harry. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I respect the rules and the protocol of the royal family, but I also don't understand how you can tell someone who served in active combat and who had a 10-year military career, no, you can't wear your uniform. And 
I know, and we're not going to really go too deep into this, but I know I read a lot of reports about how the E2R, like the Elizabeth II Regina, whatever, um, pendant or pin or whatever was taken off of his uniform. And, you know, I, I don't know that the whole military uniform thing does not sit well with me because he, that has, again, I don't think in listeners or you, Jessica, correct, can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I don't think that his military service um, really has anything to do with his status as a working member of the royal family. So that being said, I am glad that he was allowed to wear his uniform. Um, yeah. He said, I mean, I think there are a lot of rules that we probably aren't familiar with over here, so I don't want to get too in the weeds about it. I've I've thought about this a lot, and um, I've tried to read on it a little bit, and, and you know, there's just so many like little things that we don't think about. But um, I do. I kind of see both sides of it. You know, I think um, you know on on one hand, I get what you're saying. You know, you served in the military and, and you can't take that away. Um, on the other hand, some of the medals and stuff that he received, I believe were honorary because he was a prince. Um, I don't think all of the medals that they've gotten are because of something that they've done um, or a duty that they've, that they've done to earn them. Like a, you know, someone who wouldn't be a prince maybe um, would have to do in order to get those medals um, or, or titles that they have. Um, so, you know, I could see how that could come with, you know, with the territory of being a working royal, um, you know, but also, you know, you've got Prince Andrew who, you know, if Harry shouldn't wear his uniform and have a hard time justifying why he should, except for the fact that like, you know, he does still live in the UK. He is still, you know, very much actively, you know, there in the country and, and living on the royal grounds, um, you know, but it's just a, it's a really weird situation. Um, so I, I do think Charles made the right call in the end for saying, you know, if one's going to wear it at the vigil, let's let both of them do that. Well, and I'll, and I'm not going to belabor this. I just, I think it, you, you know, you, you always hear, you can't take your education away from you. No matter what happens to you, you cannot take your education away from you. If you earned a degree, I feel the same way about military service. You cannot take that away from someone, even, even Andrew, I'll, I'll give it to Andrew too. Andrew served as well. And so I, all of this to say, I'm glad that Charles, I think made the right call and let Harry wear the uniform that day, even though Harry said that it didn't really matter to him, that it wasn't about him, which I respect, but, um, he, he did wear the uniform. So there's that. So on Saturday, we had statements coming out from all members of the family. Basically we've at this point, we've heard from, I think, everyone, but Beatrice and Eugenie released a statement, and I'm just going to read it in part here. Part of uh, it said, my favorite part of it said, we've not been able to put much into words since you left us all, of course, speaking to their grandmother. There have been tears and laughter, silences and chatter, hugs and loneliness, and a collective loss for you, our beloved queen and our beloved granny. We, like many, thought you'd be here forever. And we will, we all miss you terribly. Yeah, I thought that was really sweet because we, you know, we've talked about that before. We did kind of all think that she would be here forever, or at least, you know, we didn't, we didn't expect her um, to be gone yet. But we also uh, got a message from Edward and Sophie uh, this past week. So they released a statement and in there they said, the queen's passing has left an unimaginable void in all our lives. Sophie and I have taken huge pleasure in seeing our James and Louise enjoying the places and activity that their grandparents loved so much. Given that my mama let us spend so much time with her, I think she also rather enjoyed watching those passions blossom. Those times together, those happy memories have now become massively precious to each and every one of us. So that was another, you know, personal note with little glimpses into what Her Majesty's relationship was like with her grandchildren. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, Edward and Sophie obviously releasing that statement on behalf of their entire family, Louise and James, and doing the same. Um, we heard from Andrew. He said, Mommy, your love for a son, your compassion, your uh, confidence, I will treasure forever. I have found your knowledge and wisdom invite with no boundary or containment. I will miss your insights, advice, and humor. As our book of experiences closes, another opens, and I will forever hold you close to my heart with my deepest love and gratitude 
and I will tread gladly into the next with you as my guide, which is actually really beautifully said. So um, Sunday, we're kind of breezing through this. Obviously, so many moving parts, so much going on. The queen continues to lay in state at this point at Westminster Hall. So Charles and Camilla hosted a reception on Sunday evening for world leaders and foreign royals at Buckingham Palace. The reception hosted about 500. And there was, as ever, controversy surrounding Harry and Meghan, who this is, you know, these are just press reports, but they apparently were initially invited to this reception. But then the invite was rescinded. And according to the press, Harry and Meghan did not find out that they were uninvited to the reception until they read about it, just like you and I did in the media. And the reason being that they are not working royals. And, you know, I have to touch on this too. And I don't really want to get too much into the gossip and the innuendo of the week. Um, There's another time and a place for that. But you know, I, I, I was a little bothered if this report is true, which of course I don't know at this point, but that um, when the family, when William, Andrew, Edward, and Sophie flew up on September 8th from London to Scotland to try to get there in time before her majesty passed, they didn't make it. They, they did not make it. Um, Harry was not on that plane whether he was not on that plane by his choice or by something else that's unconfirmed, but they were all coming from the same place. So I don't know why they couldn't unite in that moment. Also, I read reports that Harry wasn't told about her majesty's death until about five minutes before the world was told. And if that's true, that's also upsetting. Again, I don't have any, I don't have the, the it's his side, her side, and the truth somewhere in there, but um, it just seems like there's still as as hopeful as I was with the walkabout at Windsor on Saturday the tenth. There still seems to be lots of tension happening. Well, but go ahead. Let me just say, you know, what I've kind of heard and read about that too. Um, I did hear that when they knew the Queen was probably not going to make it when she was not doing well. Um, Charles did call William and Harry before she passed to let them know they needed to get there. Um, And I did hear that he called William first and I think there was a bit of time before he uh, got a hold of Harry. I don't know if he waited to call him or what happened there. Um, But I think part of the reason that Harry didn't find out about her passing was because he was on the plane um, and they were trying to get a hold of him before, you know, to let him know before they released the public statement. So he was there on his way. um, But I think at that point, so many people pretty much knew the news that was coming. And so I don't know if they, you know, needed to go ahead and get it out, but they didn't want to do it obviously before they told him. But I think that there may have been, um, you know, some difficulty in getting a hold of him before, before they. That actually makes sense because, so that actually makes sense because normal protocol is that um, the BBC reports any kind of death like this. If, If the death happens in the afternoon or in the morning, the BBC reports the death at 6 PM London time. And I remember on that day, on that Thursday, hearing from every source I had that she was dead and waiting with bated breath for that for 6 p.m which was noon here mm-hmm. and then nothing came mm-hmm. and I was like okay well maybe maybe my intel is bad and then it ultimately I think that it came out around six between 6 30 and 7 I can't really remember and that would make sense because they if they were waiting to get a hold of Harry yeah and I think they could have they couldn't, they couldn't get delay it any longer. Plane. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean that, okay. So that, that's, that makes sense. See, again, there's, there's multiple sides to every headline, right? So I want to go back really quick to the, the um, reception at Buckingham Palace too, and kind of just share what I was reading about that. And of course, you know, we, we obviously weren't there um, behind the scenes, so we only know what we read. Um, but, and, but this makes sense to me too. It's, from what I've heard, it sounds like they were never supposed to be invited to that event. Um, 
if they got an invitation, I, I guess it was an error. Um, and, and maybe that was where there was some miscommunication. But, you know, from what it sounds like, there was never um, an official, hey, you're invited, hey, we're uninviting you. It was, hey, they received this in error, but, but no, you were never supposed to be invited. And to me, that checks out because why would they expect to get an invitation to an event that working royals would be going to, you know, again, like they're not, they're not working royals anymore. They should be included in things with the broader family who, who are also not working royals like Zara and, um, you know, and, and other cousins. So I don't know why they would have assumed they would be attending that event. And I, I don't know, it, I, I, I don't know that it really checks out that they, wouldn't have known until they read it in the press. I don't know, but some, something about that is a little bit weird in my opinion. Yeah, well, who really knows? All we know is what we read and we can't believe everything we read says the, says a writer. So anyway, um, I try to report as factually as I possibly can, um, but you know, there's always, there's always room for error and there's always multiple sides to every story. So on a positive note, we, we've been seeing this rainbow theme kind of carry through this whole morning period. Of course, we saw the double rainbow over Buckingham Palace right before uh, the Queen's death was announced on September 8th, then flash forward to September 18th, which by the way, I should point out was, I just thought of this, was Sienna, baby Sienna, Beatrice's daughter's first birthday. So what a time to have a birthday, right? But um, she she won't remember it anyway, but um, I hope they were able to do something good for her, a cake or something small. But anyway, over Westminster where the queen was lying in state on Sunday, September 18th, there was a rainbow that appeared again. And the photos are beautiful. And I just think, you know, it's a, it's a theme that's carrying through. And um, it, I just think it's a beautiful sign of hope and, and optimism for she's that she's okay. And, and she's at peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been really incredible to see those rainbows kind of pop up this past week. Mm -hmm. um, really, really beautiful. So also on Sunday, Buckingham Palace shared a previously unreleased photo of the queen, which was taken during the Platinum Jubilee. She is wearing a lovely dress in that same powder blue color that we saw at the Jubilee and a brooch given to her by her father on her 18th birthday, which I thought went so well with her outfit and her eyes. Um, it really made her eyes pop. It was a great photo. We shared it on our Instagram account. And, you know, we were just talking about jewelry um, earlier, Warren, this week, and I mentioned the, the pearls. I noticed that the three-strand pearls the queen has on in that photo that they released Sunday um, was the same necklace that Kate, the Princess of Wales, wore to the reception at the palace um, that Sunday evening. So I know that was intentional. Absolutely. You know, royal women and their fashion choices, nothing is left to chance. And there's not, you can't play with colors right now. Everyone's in black, but jewelry has really been the way that a lot of women are sending messages of love and support and gratitude for the queen. And also on Sunday, we saw photos of Kate meeting with uh, Ukrainian first lady, Elena Zelensky. And we got a second statement from Charles which said in part, as we all prepare to say our last farewell, I wanted simply to take this opportunity to say thank you to all those countless people who have been such a support and comfort to my family and myself in this time of grief. Of course, this is on the eve of the funeral. So then now that takes us to yesterday, which is Monday. Yes. And Monday, of course, was the day of the funeral. And I know, Rachel, you said you were up around 3.30 in the morning. I was up at four um, and, you know, it was a, a, a busy day and I was really quite surprised at the end of the day. I was not totally exhausted. I thought I would be, but I did have coffee to keep me going all day. So, uh, but, but there was a lot going on on Monday. Yeah, I was really keyed up as well. I, I couldn't, I wanted to go to sleep around seven or eight last night, but I couldn't. I was actually up until about one o'clock in the morning. And I just think, you know, I was just riding on adrenaline from reporting on such a monumental event. And I'm sure 
many of, if not all of our listeners have watched the funeral, maybe you didn't watch it live, but I would very much encourage you to, if nothing else, watch the one hour funeral. I'm positive it's on YouTube. I watched it live, but um, at some point when all the dust settles, I'm going to go back and watch it in full when I'm not reporting on it. So I can fully take it in the music, the atmosphere, everything, even, I mean, this is, you know, this is neither here nor there, but the fashion, I mean, I like, I just love every detail of it. And um, over 2000 people were at the funeral at Westminster Abbey on Monday morning, including Royals from around the world. Many of whom we talk about on the show, we saw um, Monaco, Sweden. I mean, really just everyone was there. Angela Kelly was there. We talked about Angela Kelly, the queen's dresser and friend. Uh, Charles Spencer was there, Diana's younger brother. Um, Sandra O oh from Grey's Anatomy was there as a part of the Canadian delegation. So it was just, um, just pe- the people watching was fantastic. But obviously the, the ceremony and the Bible verses and the hymns and just everything that was said, there was so much said that day that the queen actually said that we will meet again, um, which of course she said during the pandemic. And it's, it's so interesting, like in Harry's statement about his grandmother, how in, in Williams as well, actually how they're quoting her had to help them deal with their grief. Usually in the context of Philip's death, uh, the queen said so much about grief when she was in her own mourning period. And now her own words are comforting those that are mourning her. Yeah. We also saw the Princess of Wales parents, Carol and Michael Middleton at the funeral Mm -hmm. as well. I saw some photos of them. Yeah. And the coffin moved at 1035 a.m. The service was at 11, um, 1035 from Westminster Hall, where, of course, it had laid in state since Wednesday to Westminster Abbey. And just so much praise for those who were transporting her coffin, who were processing behind it's just it's just so the the military precision like everything was so on time it was just so exact and just so much respect for all of the people who who obviously worked so hard and walked so many miles for that matter to make to make that happen and the service began at 11 a.m it concluded at noon with a two-minute silence observed across the uk and in my bedroom in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And um, the queen was buried at St. George's Chapel at Windsor. There was a committal service that hosted 800. So it was a bit smaller, it was still big, but, um, and that was at St. George's where of course, Harry and Meghan got married. Of course, William and Kate got married at the Abbey. So it's, you know, these these venues have their their high points and their low points. And the, the committal service was, it did have a more intimate feel then the funeral. And then there was a little break about a two and a half hour break. And then there was a, a quiet reception during that time. And then she was privately interred with just the family. And we didn't see any of that, but we did get that beautiful Instagram post from the Royal family of the queen in 1971 in the mountains of, of Scotland and uh, just confirming that she had been laid to rest. And George and Charlotte were there. We uh, didn't know during our last episode that that was a possibility. I started hearing that George might be there on Sunday and then George and Charlotte were there and we did get confirmation through the program. I don't, I don't know where it is at this point, but it, the order of service is out there. So you can, you can find that and print that if you want to keep that as a keepsake, but George, Charlotte, and Louie are all now George Wales, Charlotte Wales, Louis Wales, that was confirmed. Um, and they, they, wa- they walked behind the queen's coffin at the funeral. Louis, who was only four, God love him, was deemed too young to participate. He is, uh, I wrote a story about this yesterday, having trouble and not, not surprisingly understanding his great grandmother's death. He said something so sweet about, well, will we still be able to go and play at Balmoral now that she's gone? And just, you just, you have to remember that she's a queen, but she's still a great grandmother. And of course, we mentioned earlier in the show that Charlotte wept at one point. She was wearing her first hat. It was Charlotte's first hat moment. And I thought she looked beautiful. She also wore a horseshoe brooch, which was a gift from the queen. And I call these moments Charlotte in charge moments because she is a boss, man. Like she is the, she, she might not be the heir to the throne, but she is the boss of that family for sure. And at one point cameras caught her looking at older brother, George, and, and as the coffin went by and, and she said, 
you you need to bow and so <laughs> so he did she is she is the boss of this family and I love this child like I just she is I love watching her grow up all of them yeah. but especially her I saw that and and I thought the children did very well I love yeah, they were wonderful Loved Charlotte's little hat. And, you know, I thought her outfit was sort of like a little coat dress. It kind of matched. Yes, the yes. Like Kate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was, it was really uh, nice and, um, and, and nice that they were able to be there in attendance with the family. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, you know, I think that Charlotte's coming to all these things. Like, of course she went to Phillips Memorial back in March, which seems like a lifetime ago, but, um, and then, so much of the platinum jubilee with george and i and i like that because that means that george doesn't have to be alone Mm -hmm. and so they're kind of they're tag teaming it but um charles was spotted of course getting visibly emotional especially during the national anthem um so i mean i've always said this about the royal family what a cruel trick that the moment you've waited for your entire life hinges on the death of of a beloved parent you know that's just so so tough and as I mentioned before, Kate it was wearing a pearl choker. Uh, she wore that, the rewear from Philip's funeral. And then it was the Queens originally. Uh, Megan was seen wiping away tears. She continued to wear those pearl earrings that were gifted to her from the Queen in 2018. Megan was in, it doesn't, you know, we, I write for what Megan wore and we're not really doing fashion IDs, but I can tell you that her dress was Stella McCartney. It was a caped look. And this version she wore yesterday was the black version of the same blue cape dress, navy cape dress that she wore to the Queen's birthday celebration back in 2018. So the Queen's birthday is in April and Megan was just a couple of weeks at this point away from marrying Harry. So I thought that was a sweet nod back to the Queen and back to a, a obviously much happier occasion. Yeah. And for the actual funeral, Harry was not in military uniform like he was at the vigil. Um, he did not take any salutes per the rule again that, you know, only working royals could do that. And Sophie at one point was seen passing a handkerchief to Edward. It was just an emotional mm-hmm. day all the way around. And I just continue to be so moved by how much symbolism there was, how much thoughtfulness and meaning and tradition in everything I just continue to be comforted by the fact that Her Majesty had a hand in planning all of this. And one of the most powerful moments for me was at the committal service at St. George's Chapel when the imperial state crown was removed, the scepter was removed, the orb was removed from the top of the queen's coffin to bury her. And I'm getting goosebumps as I say this, just as a simple Christian woman, because you know what? At, At the end of the day, we're all, no matter if we're rich or poor, successful, not successful, whatever, we all come again, not to get too preachy, but come to the gates of heaven, just as, as people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, so she was buried as a simple Christian woman, just like you. And just like me. And I also loved the symbolic breaking of the wand of office, um, to show that the work was done and, and it was over. And, you know, I just, going when the coffin was going to Windsor I mean who who in this world cannot get emotional at seeing Princess Charlotte cry or when the coffin passes the Queen's favorite horse Emma who was draped in Her Majesty's scarf and then oh my gosh the kicker there's the pups there's the corgis um sitting out there waiting for one last glimpse of of their owner I know I saw those photos and this was a truly personal touch in the day you know we talked about all the little personal touches it was really sad to see um you know I know we get so attached to our pets and even though they aren't human you have a special bond with a dog and, and maybe even a horse. And, and I talked, I've talked about my dog a lot on, on our podcast. And, um, I know, I know the queen loved her corgis and I don't know if our listeners saw a reel that we posted on our Instagram, but, um, I went through Instagram and gathered a lot of, uh, like a collection of all of these, photos of her majesty throughout the years with her dogs and kind of put them together to the song from the toy story movie you've got a friend in me 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I really, you know, I thought it was kind of sweet, but I played it back and, and I got a little emotional and one of our listeners, Linda messaged me and she said it made her cry. And I told her, you know, me too. I got, I got emotional seeing it. So, um, you're doing great work on Instagram, by the way, you are absolutely killing it. So thank you for all of that because you're, that's all you. Well, you know, we kind of, we go through days where maybe we don't post as much, but, but I've been trying to keep up over there. Cause I know, um, everyone, you know, that listens to the podcast, they, they tune in to, to kind of see what updates we've got, but, um, also wanted to mention there was a note on top of the coffin from Charles. It read in loving and devoted memory, Charles R. So R is Latin for Rex, which is king as opposed to regina which is queen so you know i'm sure everyone has seen her majesty sign her letters and notes as elizabeth r um, or you've seen her initials as er2 um and if you've ever wondered why it was r and not w for windsor that is why because it's the initial for queen and of course charles will use it now for king And it's a royal tradition to put notes on top and not just royal. I mean, other people do this too, but especially royals put notes on top of the coffin. If you'll remember from, um, Phil, from Philip's funeral in April of 2021, it was signed your loving Lilibet, of course, being the queen's familial nickname that Philip also called her. And then who can ever forget the mummy on Diana's coffin in 1997, which was written by Harry, who was only 12 at the time. William and Kate also wrote notes. And I want to talk for a minute about the flowers that were on top of the coffin. Absolutely beautiful. They, uh, again, so much meaning, so much thoughtfulness put into every detail. They featured myrtle that was from the queen's wedding in 1947. How beautiful is that? And at Charles's request, the wreath contained foliage of rosemary, English oak, and myrtle, which, like I said, was cut from a plant that was grown from myrtle in the queen's wedding bouquet. The flowers were in shades of gold, pink, and deep burgundy with some touches of white, and they were cut from the gardens of royal residences. This is according to a tweet from Buckingham Palace. Every aspect of the bouquet was chosen with a purpose. The rosemary represents remembrance, The English oak symbolizes the strength of love and the myrtle represents a happy marriage, which of course, Elizabeth enjoyed a happy marriage for over 70 years. And the floral arrangement contains sweet peas, which was a favorite of her majesty's and the flower of her birth month, which is April. And it was also included dahlias, roses, autumnal hydrangeas, sedum, which I hope I'm saying correctly, scabious and scented pella. Okay. If, if y'all are flower They're people, getting harder. <laughs> if y'all are flower people, you're going to judge me if I mispronounce this pelargonium, pelargoniums. Someone is cringing out there. But anyway, the point being that everything was just chosen and planned with such purpose. And I didn't catch this because I was actually writing at the time. So at a certain point, I wasn't I was listening, but I wasn't really watching. I missed that there was a spider crawling across the top of the coffin, um, which apparently symbolizes good luck. So the the spider was, I'm sure, from the flowers that were there. And did you catch? Did you catch that? No, I missed that too. Yeah, I missed it, but it was all over the news. So I mean, apparently, it symbolizes good luck. So I didn't know that. Maybe I should. Maybe if I see a spider, I'll be a little bit more welcoming. Mm-hmm. But I've never been welcoming when I see a spider. But um, you mentioned the power of the hymns at the service. There were um, am- among the three hymns that were recited at the Monday service was "The Lord's My Shepherd," which was also sung at her 1947 wedding ceremony to Philip at the same location at the Abbey. Um, there was, as I said, after she was buried, she there was a really beautiful photo of her in the mountains um, from the 70s to confirm that she had been laid to rest. And I thought this fact was interesting. The Duke of Kent, who is the Queen's cousin, um, you might remember him from he was on he made one of the balcony appearances with the Queen back in June for the Platinum Jubilee. Mm-hmm. He was the only person to walk behind both Queen Elizabeth II and King George VI in their funeral procession. So imagine living such a life that you can do both of those things. So wow. he was, he walked behind his, his beloved cousin. They were very close. 
So now that the, you know, the funeral, of course, has wrapped up and we've moved on to Tuesday, which is the day we're recording, Camilla and Charles flew to Scotland today, which is um, where they will continue to remain um, as they finish out their mourning period. The Royals are in a seven-day mourning period until September 26th. Um, and I also read today that Harry and Meghan left the UK to go back to California on Monday following the funeral. We know they've been away from their children for a really long time now, so I'm sure that they were eager to get back home and see them. I didn't, I thought that they were staying through the morning period, but I guess so, I never, go ahead. If I, well, if I'm wrong about that, someone correct me, but I've been reading that they left pretty quickly um, Monday, so I mean, we'll check that again and we'll correct it on our next episode if we got that wrong, but I've read yeah, it I don't know. Different if, if they didn't fly out Archie and Lily, I would, I don't blame them a bit for going. Right. They've been gone since September 3rd and they only yeah, and, to be gone until September 8th, I think. And, yeah. And the kids are, are really young. Yeah. So I don't blame them at all. And I don't think anybody would fault them for that. Okay. Well, you and I are both exhausted. It is Tuesday night. I know I'm not caught up in my sleep, but I think that that is the gist of just this really emotional past week. And I mean, I feel like we ran down everything, but I want to close by just saying how powerful it all was, how just, I feel honored to be alive, let alone reporting on the Royals to see this part of history and I don't think it's it's an 11 days that any of us who loved Her Majesty will ever forget. And now it's time to start the next chapter of our royal reporting and the reign of King Charles III. And I just, again, want to say thank you, ma'am, for everything, to quote Paddington Bear. And it was a beautiful tribute to a beautiful woman. Yes, absolutely. Anything else you'd like to add before we close? Um, you know, I, I just feel the same way. I think you summed it up very well. You know, we have done, um, we've been guests on other podcasts before. I know you write a lot. And of course, we're out there on our Instagram account. And um, this was the first time these past few weeks that I've been able to go live and report on television. And it was a great experience, but also, you know, really sad. And, and I also felt really fortunate to be able to be a part of that in some way. Um, and it's been really special as, uh, you know, as we have talked about this, to be able to, to share our takeaways from this event for our listeners. So, um, you know, to our listeners, if you guys have anything special that sticks out to you that you want to share with us, um, let us know, send us an email or a DM and, um, you know, and we'll share, we'll share your takeaways on the podcast as well. Yes. And listeners, we hope you're doing okay. We hope you're doing well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the funeral. We'll probably come back in our next episode, um, maybe a little bit more clear headed and rested and, and, you know, reflect on it even more because it's just only been about 24, 36 hours since it happened. So we're still processing everything, but thank you listeners as always for being with us on this journey. Please follow us on Instagram at podcast Royal. Like I said, Jessica is doing some great content that you don't want to miss. Um, I take no credit for that. Please email us at hello podcast Royal at gmail.com. If you want to chat about anything, you can also DM us and follow rate and review the show. We really appreciate those five-star ratings and just appreciate all of you listening and all of us being in this together. That's episode 71 of podcast row we'll be back with episode 72 and starting a new chapter and again rest in peace your majesty and thank you for everything